Bippity bop, hippity high. Welcome back to True North Talk, episode 35, with your favorite hosts, Peter Burnett and Joseph Staten. In today's episode, Peter, I'm just going to hand it off to you, bro. You can just tell them what we're going to be talking about. Well, Joe, I don't know about you, but I sure am ready to dive into Psalms 22. Yeah, I'm definitely ready, bro. Let's get it. So what we're going to be talking about in this episode is is something that I feel like has been applicable for, for me and Joe. We talked about it a little bit in the last episode, but both of us went through, I would say, a little bit of a, of a valley, both in our work lives and even maybe a little bit in our, in our personal lives, too. But, um, you know, I think this applies to when you're in those struggles and then for, for me and Joe, as we're kind of... I would say back climbing on that on that mountaintop. Thankfully, you know, by by God's by God's blessing. So, I think this what we're going to be talking about today is trusting God through those valleys. And again, I think it's a great reminder for wherever you're at. Obviously, it's applicable and a great reminder when you're in the midst of that valley and in the midst of those dark storms. And it's also again kind of a an opportunity to look back when you're at that mountaintop or even to prepare for what's ahead. Because really, I mean, life, it, it is a cliche, but it's so true. Life is full of hills and valleys, peaks and lows. And it's all about making sure that we depend on God during those. And by doing so, make sure that we keep those highs and lows measured. And I think that's something that in the world, we kind of allow those highs to be like just this like unattainable standard and something that is so again, like at this level that just can't be achieved or that we think we can never reach again. And then when we're in those lows, it just feels like we we can't climb out of that hole. And so I think we'll look here in Psalms 22 about it's a Psalm of David, King David, as the rest, as many of the, re- of the rest of the Psalms are, um, I think, I think, note this down, Joe, I think talking about David um, and his whole story would be something we should definitely do for a future episode, but um, do you maybe want to brief the listeners in quickly on who King David was, and then I can get back to kind of getting the episode episode main point started? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, King David, obviously, we know David and Goliath, um, mm-hmm. one of the more respected and renowned patriarchs of the Bible. Obviously, something that humanizes him was his struggle with a few sins. And something that always stuck out to me from that story was God's grace toward David, even though he had a few slips along the way and, um, you know, still giving him a platform. And I think that kind of ties into what you're saying about the highs and lows in life. Right. Because um, without God's grace, we would all be nothing. We would have no second chances. We're so sinful that every single day we depend fully on God's grace to even live our lives. And that's something that I've been talking about recently with some of my uh, acquaintances and just people I interact with is, you know, that's the message of the gospel is that we're all so sinful that we need God's grace so much on a a daily basis. But also before we read a little bit here, I want to talk about something that um, actually before the podcast, Peter and I were kind of contemplating what we were going to go with for this episode because Peter's had this idea for a, a week or two and something kind of sprung on me this week about a sermon I heard on uh, knowledge and wisdom. But I think that there is a tie in here between the two and I want to say it real quick before we get into it. Mm-hmm. And that's that you're talking about the highs and lows in life. Um, I think that there is wisdom in not getting too high or too low 
when you do experience those those highs and lows, right? Like if you're mm-hmm. all like if you're constantly reacting overly to your emotions and getting all over the place, you're going to have issues when it comes to like finding that peace and that groundedness in your life and finding consistency because the fact is life is difficult and you're going to need to find that in order to be, you know, persistent and 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 tough and successful. It's something that we all need is that consistency and be able to wake up every day. And we've talked about it, you know, whether it's in the context of even like something like working out. I mean, there's going to be days you don't feel like doing it. There's going to be, there's been days me and Peter have not felt like make, you know, recording a podcast episode, but the reason that you have to keep going and how you do keep going is finding that ground. Um, which I think comes from not getting too high or too low when you experience those things, you know, and just a sort of analogy real quick. Um, something that, Peter might not like as much, but something <laughs> I really like is, you know, J.J. McCarthy, quarterback from Michigan, my favorite football team. If you watch him on the sidelines, even that in that Ohio State game and the biggest games of the year, you know, when they have a massive play, you see the sideline, they're getting hyped up, and he's the one man over there kind of like, you know, come on, guys, stay grounded. It's a good play, but we still got to go the whole game. And I think that's kind of how we need to react in our lives if we have something amazing happen. Obviously, we can rejoice. Mm-hmm. in the good times, but, um, just not getting too high and then too low when it's low. Um, I think is important to keep in mind. You think we're going to be able to hear that with our own ears on September 30th? You know what? <laughs> we might be able to. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. <laughs> More than likely. Yeah. There's a, there's a pretty big football game in Nebraska yes, sir. on that date and a certain uh, team visiting forward to yeah, I'm, I'm curious if Peter can actually mention the name, if he can just spit it out, because most Ohio State fans can't just say Michigan. They could say the team up north. So I'll say that it. Team up, that team up north is traveling out west. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and I'll say it, the Michigan Wolverines, as somebody who wow. works in, in sports media, I have, to, I have to put aside biases sometimes. I mean, who knows? I, I just want to make sure. Hold on. <laughs> I just want to make sure that our listeners truly appreciate what just happened. I mean, yeah, we did, have did I break up at all there? Did I break up at all there? <laughs> we have a homegrown Ohio State Bucknut fan. I mean, massive <laughs> fan. Yes, he's been through Dayton. You know, he, he's, he's a reporter in Nebraska. But Peter's heart is with the Buckeyes. I mean, I, I, I witnessed, you know, on that cold November day, that long <laughs> walk to the car in the snow. I know how Peter's feeling. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you, did, you didn't witness it because you stuck around in the stadium, and I had a, I had a certain response when you asked if I wanted to storm the field. <laughs> as much as I was rejoicing that day, I was still picturing, to a certain degree, <laughs> walking to the car. I was like, I just feel bad for you, bro. But, yeah, I think we hey. both. I think I kind of had the same sort of thing, you know, sympathizing for you in 2016 on that same yeah. day of the year as as the 2011 game so or 2019 221 game so yeah it's funny how it goes isn't it the same it exact sure is day. it is yeah and uh i mean as funny as that is i think that's also an analogy for the valley of the highs and valleys in life yeah uh the first thing i told peter when we got in the car after that game uh and, and it's it's funny to talk about but i mean people who grew up in michigan and ohio it is a football game hmm. but it's more than that. You know, it really is because it's, it's cultural and yep. um, it really can affect your emotions. You can actually get down about that. It's, it's the biggest game of the year and the football season doesn't come around that often. So, but the first thing I told Peter is like, well, on the bright side, at least this will strengthen the rivalry a little bit. And on the has. Mr. Bright side. On the Mr. Bright side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, but I mean, I, I tried to encourage you in that moment and yeah, uh, I appreciated I think, it. I think it got through a little bit. I think oh, yeah. pretty quickly you were able to see kind of 
some of the bright side, even though there was wasn't that great of feelings going on. But yeah, well, and this is a, a topic for a different day, and we have veered off course. But one final thing is having understanding of somebody else's perspective is so key. Like for you that day, you understood what it felt like because you had been in that situation before, and for mm-hmm. me, you know, I was like, you know, Joe has experienced years of losing and so in this moment he you know i'm not gonna try to be like oh you know oh we've beaten you the last 10 years and try to like rub that in but instead be like yeah this is an incredible accomplishment and it's it's definitely a moment to celebrate so understanding other people's perspectives and their backgrounds and their experiences is so key and like david is I think another topic that we should definitely save save for a future episode. I think both of those, David's story and perspective, are two incredible talking points that, again, we could go on for an hour talking about both of those. But real quickly on David, unless you had anything else you wanted to add on, on the, the, that last point. Uh, not too much. I would just say that one of my favorite books, probably my favorite book in the Bible, Proverbs, is... David's son, Solomon. Mm-hmm. And I think Solomon, in a lot of ways, even though he was also imperfect, kind of filled those gaps that David left um, character wise for us to look to as sort of a, a role model or whatever you want to call it. I think that, you know, the combination of David and Solomon is a really powerful combo to study in the word. But um, yeah, not too much else I want to add. Definitely. Well, and, and like I've said on recent episodes, that's in my Bible reading plan right now. And I mean, that's why I wanted to read this because I had read this within both of these chapters within the last week. Uh, we, I might not have mentioned earlier, we're also going to be reading from Psalms 23. But yeah, I mean, those and the Gospels and the New Testament, which are what I'm reading through this year, New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs, I've, I haven't felt this close to God, especially during my Bible readings for a while. Like, I'll be honest, the Old Testament at times last year was a little bit of a grind to get through. I'm definitely glad I did because I think it does provide some, like I said, perspective on what I'm reading this year to understand this is what was kind of the standard for Israel in the past. And now when you look to the New Testament with the, you know, gift of salvation that Jesus brings, again, it puts all of that into perspective and I think deepens my understanding of why what's in the Old Testament is truly important. It's not something to just be skipped over um, because I feel like we often do, aside from maybe Genesis, Exodus, and Psalms and Proverbs, we often skip over the Old Testament, but there's so much rich scripture in in the Old Testament. And yeah, but to, to, to wrap it all up and bring it back to this, David was one of those key characters. He was also played a pivotal role in first and second Kings and maybe first, you know, for one of the Chronicles as well. And his story also, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't born into royalty like his son Solomon was. He was the son of, you know, this this guy named Jesse. I don't think he was like a, a shepherd, which was at this time kind of the, the lowest level of the totem pole. But I, I know his father Jesse was not a, you know, certainly not a king and nowhere really near that level. And so I think it shows that, you know, God truly does use people from the lowest points. And it's, I wouldn't say it's a promise 100%, but if you depend on God in all that you do, in all your pursuits, he will glorify those pursuits and he will bring you to to a higher place. And again, that might not come in this life. Not all of us are going to see 
you know, arise from just this, this shepherd. And yeah, I think David, David was a shepherd. So yeah, definitely. Um, from kind of the lowest point all the way to, to a King. And right. so, yeah, the, the story of David again is something that we could talk about a lot. And then the, the one other thing I wanted to touch on of what you talked about earlier, the difference between knowledge and wisdom. And again, stay tuned for more in depth on that. That'll be our next podcast. But I think the difference is knowledge is simply knowing if you're in a high or a low or maybe a little bit of what each of those entails. But like you said, Joe, just want to add a quick comment on that as well. When you have wisdom, you understand, I would say, more how to navigate both highs and lows. And so, yeah, I think the, all, all the points that you made, I just kind of wanted to, to, to back those up a little bit because they were definitely, you know, fantastic points and, and very well said. Well, I, well, first of all, I appreciate it. But second of all, the message and this and you guys will, you know, if you're listening to this episode, you'll hear this in next week's episode. <clears throat> Excuse me. But there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. And as you said, how did you phrase that there about wisdom as far as like putting it you know, into action? Wisdom is a way that is kind of a tool for how you navigate these highs and lows. Knowledge is just knowing when you're in a high or a low is how I would say it. Yeah, so so wisdom, I mean, the idea is that, and James wrote a lot about, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you mm-hmm. don't act on it and you don't put it into action, it's not wisdom, it's just knowledge. Um, but wisdom is truly listening and basically seeking the Holy Spirit, you know, in those times of, of trouble and, and trial and challenge and listening to it and, and not acting upon your emotions or whatever the case may be, but like truly taking that knowledge you have in your heart and you're talking about the importance of the old Testament. And that's really the importance of the whole word is that having that word in your heart. So, so you can act on that knowledge and that is wisdom. You know, it, it is recognizing situations as they present themselves and not getting to, well, first of all, knowing how to react. Cause I think a lot of human beings without the knowledge of God within them living within them, they just don't know how to react to things. I mean, when I was younger, that was definitely the case when I didn't have as much knowledge about God's nature, um, you just don't know how to react as much or as properly. And something else you said really quickly is, you know, about in this life, some of us may not, you know, what do you say, become uh, a king, basically. Ex- a, yeah, a king. So basically, the irony is that uh, it reminded me of James four ten: humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Hmm. Um, and if you would try to exalt yourself, then you'll be humbled. But the irony is that if you are exalted in this life and if it's God's will that you are exalted, it's not going to be something that you really desire. Like it's going to be, it's going to be you pursuing God and him, him putting you in a position. And even when you're in that position, just like Joseph, you're not going to like, no matter what happens, you're not going to, to take that position and be prideful or, you know, arrogant. It's not even going to happen. If it's God's will, he's going to put you in that position because you don't even really desire it. You're just basically wanting to serve God and he will honor that. You know, people have it flipped around. They, they desire to be exalted and then they find themselves in those positions and they are absolutely empty because they did it for the wrong reasons if they're even able to attain that. So that's the irony with, you know, the, the, really the whole prosperity gospel and Christians who want to be exalted is that if you want that, you're, you're already failing. If you're, if you're wanting to be exalted, you're already starting off on the wrong foot. You have to be desiring to serve God first and foremost and only 
And if he so happens to exalt you because you're willing to ask those hard questions and put in the work and find your gifts and, and put them into use, which does take work on your end, then, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be anything of yourself. It's going to be God through you. Mm-hmm. So, and, and we've talked about the story of Joseph in the past, but that's definitely something that ties in here as well, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think his background is a little bit similar to David's as well. Kind of a, I mean, he was obviously favored by his father, but in comparison with his brothers, like David, I think David was also like one of maybe a dozen sons as well. He was kind of, you know, the youngest one, kind of the forgotten one. And when uh, King Saul came in basically because the Lord or Samuel told uh, the prophet Samuel was instructed by God to go and anoint a king from the sons of Jesse. It was like, oh, well, we've got, you know, he, he looked at all the other sons who were, you know, strong in, in the eyes of the world and who looked like they would be kings to replace Saul. Basically, the way they said is, well, you know, oh, David's out there in the field with the sheep. And, and yet Samuel, by God's calling, was like, I want to talk to him. And so I think, again, yes, yeah, similar to Joseph as well, kind of in comparison to his brothers, kind of a, a forgotten son. And again, I think I'll put a pin in that one because I think the story of David is something that is would make a phenomenal episode. So I'll stick that right now. Um, but then the final thing I wanted to add on knowledge versus wisdom, and I think it segues into this into the reading and I'll, and I'll, I'll explain why at the end of it, I'm going to say this quote. I, I just thought of it now. It's probably out there somewhere as a quote already, but I, I kind of thought of it when we were talking about this. Um, knowledge is like navigating the sea without a map or without a compass, without the stars to guide you. Wisdom is having that map Like to, to expand on that slightly. You might know kind of where you are in the sea But when those storms come around and you can't see the stars anymore and you can't navigate by that way, the Bible, Scripture, and connecting with God is basically having that map to guide you along the seas, no matter how rough they might get. And again, the reason I think that segues into the reading is this reading will provide us with that map to navigate life's highs and lows, to navigate the, you know, like, like the, like the waves in the ocean. Sometimes it's calm and sometimes it's stormy and very challenging to navigate. But this word of God is so incredibly powerful. And again, like I said, kind of, I think provides that, that wisdom or kind of that, that map. Yeah. And I, I I don't know, man, I'm just reminded so often of the power of the truth and how it can lift somebody's soul. Hmm. I just had an example, and I don't want to keep talking before we read, but this is something I have to say. You're talking about the power of the word. Um, I, I was talking to a coworker of mine the other day. This is an individual I've known for almost a year now, and he is, you know, he, he's definitely not saved. Uh, and I can tell that he just needs the Lord. And he started opening up to me a little bit, and um, I had the opportunity to to witness to him. And you can just tell when you speak life, it literally lifts people's souls. Like their eye, the, you know, his, his eyes started lighting up, his demeanor changed. It, it puts hope into people's hearts. They realize it's, it's just life. You speak it, you're speaking life and truth. And it's just so beautiful to see. And you're, and when you, again, tying back what you said, like, this is the map. Hmm. This is this truly a map. And we, we don't have to doubt that, you know, we know for a fact, this book, it contains all the answers to our life's toughest questions. So I think it's a great way to segue into the reading. 
Definitely. Yeah. And I, and I just think also, I believe when we're, when we're locked in like this, talking before we get into the reading, I feel like is always inspired by the Holy Spirit and the words that we're saying, you know, like thinking of that quote, again, I'm sure I've heard some sort of context similarly, but again, I thought of that right now. That's something I can only credit to the Holy Spirit. It's not, you know, my own big brain coming up with it. It's the Holy Spirit guiding my thoughts and providing the words for both you and I to speak, Joe. But but yeah, definitely. Um, but I definitely yeah. feel it tonight too, bro. It's, yeah, me too. Yeah. I got. We're, we're already having a good episode, and I, we're not even into the, the word yet. <laughs> it might be <laughs> starting starting a little bit loose, talking about Michigan and Ohio State. I think I think we're we're locked in right now. Yeah, one of my favorite rhymes that we we didn't use in this episode, but it was in our hearts is what was it? Bippity bop, tippity top. I don't think True North talks ever going to stop. Yes, sir. <laughs> Never going to stop when we're when we're <laughs> trusting in God. Yes, sir. So uh, you want to start Psalm 22? Definitely. And I think this this beginning, and, and again, like we normally do, just stop me whenever you, you want to you make an observation or whatever or ask a question. But these first couple of verses, first two verses really, and then we'll get into a little bit more, I think show a little bit of what the world and what both of us have felt at times. And so I, I think I might even jump over three, four, and five for now, but we'll get back to that in a second. I'm going to read verses one and two, and then six and seven and eight uh, in Psalms 22. So again, starting in verse one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. Skip into verse six. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Hmm. (laughs) There's a couple of points that that I could could take from this, but what's kind of your main takeaway, Joe? Well, first of all, the, the first part. I'm sure you recognize that, don't you? Mm-hmm. It kind of came up somewhere else. Yep. Matthew 27. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, 46. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this. Matter of fact, I will just because just it's going to be funny. Eli, Eli, Lemas Bakhtani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eloi, uh, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani, I believe is how you yes. say it. I'm no, I'm no fluent speaker, but I think that's a little, maybe a little bit closer, but. Well, I, I actually, tr- I might challenge you, Peter, for the rest of the episode to speak in Hebrew. <laughs> I think you'd do it. I, I'll, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> you will try. <laughs> no, I mean, so, I mean, the connection to Jesus, obviously, but yep. uh, it reminds me of some of the things that I've seen in my life. You know, when you truly take a stand for the Lord and you're uh, public with it, people don't like it. You know, they do hurl insults. Mm-hmm. And I think David probably was meaning here maybe more of like a worldly sense of his, his lowly position as a shepherd. Um, but regardless, I've definitely seen this in my life. People people will mock you. They'll hurl insults, you know. And even maybe this exact line, he trusts mm-hmm. in the Lord, you know, as sort of like an insult. And people like saying, uh, I'm sure you've heard this, like, you know, let your God, blah, 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 or, or your God, this and this and this, you know, you're, and, and they talk about him like he's a fairy tale up in the sky mm-hmm. and it's just disrespect. I don't know. That's what it reminds me of that I've seen in my life. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly, those were the, pretty much exactly my, my two points. And, and I guess to, 
add on to what you said, I definitely have felt, even if it's not those exact words, or maybe even they don't say actual words, but just I could tell a little bit maybe by, you know, body language or something like that. This is what maybe they're thinking. And, you know, again, certainly the connection to, to Jesus in that first one. But then again, I think also, and I'm going to, I'm going to jump into verses 12 through 18, because then I think besides those verses, the rest of this chapter talks about kind of the flip side of this, about how God is there to deliver us. But just kind of talking about how it feels like we're in this, again, pit of despair in, in chapter in 23, we'll see it used again as that darkest valley. But here, I mean, it's talking about my cries of anguish, just feeling this sense of, you know, nobody's there, nobody's listening is something that, I mean, I'll be honest, at times I have felt, even though I've grown up as a believer and in the church and having, you know, phenomenal parents to surround me and just mentors and, and siblings to, to surround me that, that are also in that connection with God. But even with all that I have been surrounded by and have been very blessed to have, and, and you know, even, you know, obviously in later years having you as a friend now, I still have felt these feelings of, you know, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find no rest. And then I'll, I'll jump into 12 through 18 just to kind of bring this point home, and I'll, and I'll let you add your thoughts then, Joe. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bo- bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It is melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. That might be a call to to Jesus as well. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Again, I have a thought about this, but I want to get your thoughts first on, on this. Well, well, this is clearly a, a prophecy of Christ. Yep. Actually, I was reading this. I was literally reading yesterday uh, prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament uh, because as part of my witnessing to that person I was telling you about, or maybe this is two days ago, excuse me, uh, but I was reading up some prophecies of Christ in the Old Testament because he asked me uh, you know, about Jews. What are Jews? And I said, well, Jews just believe the Old Testament. They don't think Jesus, Jesus was the Messiah. But I said, if you go and read through the Old Testament, there are so many references to Christ. And this right here, Right, hmm. pierce my hands and my feet. Obviously, that's where he was pierced. Um, dividing my clothes among them, cast lots for my garment. I think what was it in the story of Jesus? They were they were doing that. They were basically literally trying to buy his clothes. Right? Yeah. I mean, it uses the same verbiage in in the the gospels. Yeah, and so that there's that point right there. But something I want to talk about regarding what you were saying earlier <clears throat> about um, feeling that anguish. You know, it's something I've definitely felt at times as as well. But I feel like the older I've gotten, uh, the better I've been able to respond to that. And I think, again, that that comes through wisdom. Hmm. And honestly, you know, this this happened very recently for both of us. Um, You know, there was a time, I think, was it maybe two weeks ago, where we were both kind of feeling a little bit just bleh Hmm. and had a little bit of a, I would say maybe a valley, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, maybe a little rut mentally. Hmm. Um but it's how do you respond to that that matters. And Proverbs twelve twenty five speaks really speaks to me as something that I've um, taken to heart. It's that anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. 
And I think it's so important. Important. We talk about friends and counsel to have people who you can be vulnerable with and speak to about your, you know, your spiritual and mental, um, you know, state and, and thoughts and all that. And again, I, I say it, I said it earlier, I'll say it again. Um, the word of God is, is what will, will put life into you and a kind word will cheer you up as Proverbs says. And I think, you know, it's, it's a recent example, but I feel, I feel like in the past year, especially, um, as we've gotten a lot closer, I think that we've had multiple of those conversations and I can genuinely say like the, the conversations and the prayer that we have in those moments truly does change, like turn things around. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, changing to use the ship reference, changing the trajectory of the ship, like it's turning it around every time that that happens, every time we have the conversation and pray about it. And I think for our listeners, that's so key because if you're not saved or if you don't have, a friend or friends or maybe a church community that you're a part of that are strong in their faith. Um, and we've said this before, but you're going to be wandering in the middle of a, what feels like a, a massive ocean mm-hmm. with storms and seas. And, um, you just need, I think you really need those, those strong people of faith to rely on bro, because, mm-hmm. you know, even David felt these feelings and it's not, it's not, you know, just normal, like minimal feelings. I mean, how many, repeated analogies that he used of, of just the severity hmm. of some of the despair he was feeling. Right. I mean, right. the you lay me in the dust of death. My heart is turned to wax. Hmm. Roaring, li- roaring lions tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. Um, trouble is near and there is no one to help, hmm. you know, a- anguish. I mean, this is severe stuff. So I, th- I just think it's so, so important to have people that can lift you up and speak a good word as Proverbs says. Definitely. And real quickly, when I, when I say this, I am by no means, no stretch of the imagination saying that we are comparable to Jesus, but I think it shows how he was fully human. And again, this was a, a stronger emotion that we can't begin to describe when he felt separation from God. Um, you know, if, you, if you've ever, I'm sure you've seen it, Joe, I'd encourage everybody out there to watch Passion of the Christ. I think that does a phenomenal job of kind of Lending again, it's it's somebody's ter- interpretation on it, of course, but I think it does a great job of showing the picture of the emotions that Jesus felt when he experienced that separation from God, and because of sin, that's something that all of us are born with. We are born separated from God, and so obviously, again, it was more extreme, and I, you know, I can't even begin to imagine how uh, difficult that would have been for Jesus, having always been, you know, so interconnected at a level that you know, the Holy Trinity, we, our human minds can't really fathom and then being ripped away. But I think it shows the emotions of that anguish that our savior who came to die for us on the cross in the most excruciating way possible experienced the same human emotions that we have all felt. I I feel like a lot of this whole Psalm is almost a cry of what Jesus would have felt, and again, especially like verses um, 16 through 18, but really the rest of it, what Jesus would have felt. I mean, even my, my mouth is dried up like a potsherd when Jesus asks for water when he's on the cross. I think Psalms 22, th- there's a fancy word of a passage in the Old Testament, aside from prophecy, that talks about um, about Jesus. Joe, if you remember that, feel free to, to throw it in there. Um but to round out this point, Talking about Isaiah fifty three. 
maybe if you want to if you want to uh, reference that real quick but I, there, there's some like scholarly word that is for um a passage that refers to Jesus from back in the Old Testament but to round up my point and let me know when you have that pulled up but Again, I think it just shows that that Jesus did experience our human emotions. And then I have I have one more point on the ship thing and tying it in with what you said about having people around you. But if you have Isaiah 53 pulled up, go ahead. Uh, I'm still working on that exact section. And I don't think that I'm I don't think that I was uh, in line with what you were going for as far as the word that refers to to Christ's references. So, um, yeah, I'll see if I can find that. But you can go ahead if you want to. You say you're going to read the rest of 22 or yeah. some other part of it? Yeah. It, it might just I mean, be... We can a, break a, it up, too, because... Definitely. We, yeah, we got 23 still. Yeah. Um, I think it's just a, maybe a messianic prophecy. Again, there might be a bigger word out there. But to, back to the ship point, and then we'll get into the more encouraging part of this of this psalm, and then Psalm 23, I think, to kind of close. If you're a captain of a ship, and you don't have a map... You don't even maybe have a knowledge of the seas that you're going through, and you don't have mm-hmm. a first mate and other people on your ship who are helping to steer that ship. Because like the the uh, Invictus um, poem or whatever you want to call it that we both love, we are... Invigorating the, to the soul. Exactly. To, I have to say that. I mean, that poem... <laughs> yeah. Again, I encourage all our listeners, you know, this is absolutely a faith podcast, but mm-hmm. incorporate that into your life, man. Yep. Read Invictus. You cannot <laughs> not be inspired from it, bro. For you sure. You cannot. But like that, like that says, we are the captain of our fate, the masters of our soul. And I think, again, don't take that out of context and lift yourself up and say that you are all good on your own because I think, I think it ties in perfectly to what we're saying here about this ship thing. We might have to call this episode the ship or the captain or something like that, um, mm. or steering through life's oceans, something like that. Um, but if you don't, again, if you don't have that map, and I think that's the most important part, first of all, because I feel like if you have a map and a knowledge of the sea, you can still find a way to navigate it. And I think yeah. that's that's the key. That map is a connection with God and being so entrenched in Scripture that, and again, maybe you get to a point, memorization, scripture memorization, where you have that map memorized. I think another analogy is there. Um, you know, once mm. you have scripture memorized, you have that map in your mind, and then you don't need it anymore, but you obviously have it there always alongside you. But then going to add to the point that you made, if you don't have, again, you can maybe do it, I, I'll say on your own, but obviously I mean on your own with Jesus, with God with the Holy Spirit. But if you don't have a first mate alongside you, you know, a best friend, I would say for me, that would be you, Joe. Um, and so I'm, I'm forever Definitely. grateful for that. And then if you also, you know, you don't have people, other people, because I mean, on a ship, especially if you're talking, you know, a big old like aircraft carrier, if you're going like big picture and, and even a smaller ship is going to have a lot of other crew members and everything you know, for me, I would say that's family and other friends, of course, and, you know, mentors around me. Without those, you're still going to be trying to do everything by yourself. And that can get exhausting and just overwhelming. And sometimes those people will maybe have experience that even somebody who's at the level of a captain, because again, you know yourself, like a captain knows his ship, I would say the ship kind of represents your life. 
you know best what your ship is like, but sometimes somebody will have a piece of knowledge. There might be a sailor that has a piece of knowledge that you don't know about the sea or maybe that you don't know about how to how to use your ship or how to, you know, in this, again, using the analogy to go about your life. And so I think, I mean, just to kind of put it into one succinct phrase, you are a captain driving your ship in life through the storms on the seas, through the high waves and through the calm, through the good times and the bad, when the sun is shining, when it's beautiful on the sea, and when those storms are raging and you don't see a light. If you have a map and a connection with God, that will get you through those struggles in life and will lead you. And then if you surround yourself... I mean, that's a great analogy for the word being a map. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I'll let you you finish your point. Then final thing to wrap it up is... And then if you have those people around you, those sailors, those crewmates, that first mate, then you're going to be... You're going to be solid because they'll be able to help you and support you through those storms and they'll be there to celebrate the the triumphs with, with you. And I mean, again, the most important point, though, is if you don't do if you do all of that without the map, you're still going to be in a, in a place of trouble. So you can't really have one without the other. I would say definitely you, you can have more of just God, because truly all things are possible with Christ who gives me strength. But if you are able to surround yourself with people who uplift you and who have knowledge and, and, well, and have wisdom, more importantly, you're you're going to be in a good place. Yeah, we don't all, unfortunately, we don't all spawn into life with a map like you do in Minecraft. So we can't just, we can't just pull it up. But I guess in some ways we do. We are given one, but not everybody realizes that. Right. We're given the option to Hmm. read the map. Yep. But the map is convicting because it'll it'll tell you straight up uh, (laughs) the rules for the sea and some people you know they want to blind their their eyes and and put their head in the sand and act like it doesn't exist but then those storms hit and they don't know what to do hmm. that's the problem um it's a map but, uh, in I mean, a in a locked box and sometimes yeah. that lock is hard to open but with effort and trusting god we'll get that open yeah and i think that's i mean it's a great analogy it's always tough really trying to to make a proper analogy for mm-hmm. you know god and and man and and you know the, the gospel and all that but i think it was a, pr- a pretty good one so i appreciate I mean, it I don't, I don't know but i don't really have anything else to add there you kind of did a great job covering that so there was there something else you wanted to say here in 22 or did you just want to go to 23 um i think maybe just speed through this if you have any thoughts offer those before we go into 23 but i'm gonna now go into the picture of where there's kind of a light at the end of this storm on the sea I'll start with verse verse 11 because I feel like that's kind of the best connector. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Yet, this is back to verse 3, you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. And now skipping ahead to verse 19 in 22 still. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. 
all you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And, the fam- and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Mm. Huh. Yeah, I mean, all those things, it just, I think it underlines what I was saying earlier about uh, the the power of the truth and what it can do, and mm-hmm. it's just inevitable. Like, you can talk to anybody in your life, the most hardened person. I mean, there are some people that, you know, you have to just pray that God opens their eyes, but I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are in a position where, like I said, the analogy I think I, brought, I talked about last week, it's like being in a pool and you, you're trying to hold down mm-hmm. a ball and keep trying to pop up. That is literally the case with, with God's existence. People, it is so obvious within all of us innately that God exists and the truth. It's not even that, that, you know, just that God exists. It's the truth that he gives us that literally gives us life. You know, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Hmm. That is, the, I mean, that is the literal reality of our lives. Uh, without this word, without the reassurance it gives, it's a tough life, man. It really is. And... People, I just feel for people that try to go through those storms without this word. Um, because this picture that you just painted with the, with the last verses there is the beauty that can come with, with being saved. And I think also, mm-hmm. really quickly before we go to 23 to wrap it up, um, I think that it's a lazy excuse as Christians. Because I hear a lot of negativity and just pessimists in the church sometimes, as sad as that is. But people just interpret scripture I think incorrectly sometimes and it just is what it is but some people have that excuse and that that idea and the standpoint of saying well and we've said it before but like as Christians life is about suffering it's just going to suck it's going to be hard there's no joy you know it's just going to be about sacrifice and suffering I, I just don't I think that's a lazy position I don't think that it's backed in truth because this entire end of this of this chapter here is nothing but joy and it brings joy to your soul and your soul lives off of the word of God. It fills you up. It, 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 you know, it overflows you with love. You hear that saying a lot in, in the world, really. It's like in order to love somebody else, you first have to, you know, love yourself and have that love within yourself to give to others. When you love God and when you're pursuing him with all your heart, soul and mind and strength, that love does overflow out, out of you hmm. and people can see it. And that's the Holy spirit within you. And, it brings joy to your life and life. Life is not all about negativity and, and hmm. evil and suffering and, and hardship. I mean, there's going to, it's going to come, but I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't like that. When I hear Christians say that, like, hmm. you know, there's a difference between prosperity gospel. Everything's about me and just simply saying, I want to honor God with my life and serve him. And just a byproduct of that is going to be joy and peace. You know, the, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will come upon you. Guard your hearts and your minds. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And that, and that's the truth of scripture. And I just, 
I, I, I don't know. I just will never be a person to accept that, that just negative view of life. It just comes from some people. I, I think, unfortunately, because they just never, you know, they just don't have that mindset. They don't think it's possible, but... I would I say more so it's, that, but. it's because they don't truly pursue God. And on the point mm. that you made about, you know, even using a worldly perspective of you got to love yourself first before you can love others. If you truly lean on God and have that, you know, one-to-one relationship with God where you're constantly, you know, daily in the word, in prayer with him, you're going to be filled with the, the fruits of the spirit. And thus you're going to turn into a person that, again, quite frankly, you like more because none of the traits of the Holy Spirit, none of the fruits of the Spirit are are bad things. They're all positive Mm -hmm. things. And, um, you know, maybe if you you want to pull those up real quick so we can say all of them. um, I got you. But if you you do that and you become that sort of person, and again, your mindset then won't be on loving yourself, but you will. That'll be a byproduct of it because you'll be this person – that is so filled with joy, with, with gentleness, with kindness, with self-control, and that's just some of them, that you will, again, love yourself, and by having those traits for yourself and loving yourself, you're then going to have those traits rub off on other people, and you're going to yep. treat other people with kindness, with joy, and, and bring joy to other people's lives, and gentleness, and compassion, and You'll have self-control to be able to navigate situations where, you know, there maybe is some anger from other people, you know, directed at you, or maybe you could fall into that. But yeah, I think, man, it is so sad to me, honestly, that, that more people don't turn to it. And again, like I said briefly earlier, I think what you said about why people don't have joy is because they're not willing to even try to pursue this. Mm-hmm. I feel like... Most people, I won't say everybody because it's not always 100% true, but most people who pursue this with the right motives and again, having the right, you know, people around them and really looking at scripture just for scripture, not looking at somebody else's interpretation, those people of which you and I are two of them, I would, you know, I don't want to put a number on it, but goodness, probably 90% of those people who have those motives I, mean, I would say who have the right motives and everything and the right people surrounding them, it'd be closer to 100%. They will find that joy and that purpose in life and they, they won't be stuck in those valleys and being like, why me? And this is such a miserable life. And yeah, there will still be challenges. Joe and I both, like we said, within the last couple of weeks have dealt with hard times. But because of this background that we have in faith, man, it's so powerful. I, I can't talk about it yep. enough, you know, but I'll... Yep. I'll, I'll stop there, but yeah, it's, it's incredible. Well, there's, there's two things that I want to touch on that you mentioned kind of, and the first thing regarding what you're saying about what you just said about, you know, the valleys that we've been experiencing at times and getting through those and coming out on top is that I think apathy in the hmm. Christian community, again, I've said it, I'll say it so many times. I absolutely despise apathy because hmm. you can go into a church. So does Jesus. You know, what, yeah. I mean, you can go into a church and when I first joined my church, you know, I've some, I'm somebody, even from a young child, I love the Bible. I love reading it. I love talking about it. I love studying it. I love listening to sermons. I I just love it. It's just, I just absolutely love it. Same. And you cannot, you know, if you go and try to find people to surround yourself with when you're talking about this subject, you need to find people who will reciprocate that same interest and, and love for the word of God, because there are a lot of people in the Christian quote, 
so-called Christian community that are apathetic about it. Hmm. I mean, I went to church. I remember I would have conversations and, you know, you can pick up pretty quickly on people that are that are there just for the tradition and, and the social outing and people who are really there because they really love God. And I think a lot of people, even when they get into the faith, are turned away because they experience apathy from other people. I mean, there's been people close in my life growing up where there was apathy there. They claim to be a Christian, but they don't match that interest. Hmm. And I think that's why our our friendship especially has really picked up and uh, gotten a lot stronger. I mean, from the jump, from the moment I met you, it was pretty strong. But, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? As time goes on, it's gotten stronger because we share that same interest and genuine love for God and that, and for his word and studying it and getting to know it more. Um, but if you don't have that reciprocating factor from other people, it's can cause you to feel disconnected in some yep. sense from God. Can I jump in on so, that point real quick? Yeah. And okay. I have a second point, but you can right. go ahead. So on, on that point, again, you could tie it either into the ship or the way that we first met. I mean, besides being like students at first, but really where we really connected was on the baseball field and like a good crew, if you don't have a team where, like you said, like if you're on a team where nobody cares about putting in the work, about practicing, about being good teammates to each other, about putting forth their best effort, trying to win and to grow closer as a unit, you're, go- you're never going to experience success and you're going to have a miserable time 90% of the time doing it. Sure, you can have some fun and just kind of flippantly going about it and just enjoying the, the time that you're able to spend. But if you don't have people, and this is what makes teams great. As somebody who has, especially in the last year, been able to cover high school sports, I have seen that the teams that are so locked in with each other and they're locked in on that singular goal. You know, I try to get them to to maybe look at it game by game, you know, in, in another, and out, you know, looking at things day by day is how they're, you know, I, I try to get them, okay, I try to get them to look kind of at the end goal, but their focus is on that day-to-day and is on growing together as a team and becoming a tight-knit group. And like we experience, I, I think there's few team settings better than a high school team setting. Um, but again, mm. that can be found in college and the pros. I think there's just something pure about high school sports, for now at least. And yeah, of course, some some things can kind of creep in and can can ruin it for for some people or even for whole teams or communities but again that that aspect of being a good team and that's what faith is about it's about you know it's it's kind of like building your own super team around you ultimately the coach the coach is god and then yeah i mean with family we don't really have a choice as we get older we can kind of you know cut off the people who maybe aren't building us up in that sense and we can grow closer to the people who are again we don't really control that but really you do control the friends who you are very close to and the mentors in a in a a church setting and if you're picking people again like you said joe i hate apathy as well and jesus said you know either be on fire be hot for me or be be ice cold and don't even care about me but if you're lukewarm I want to spit you out of my mouth. That's how yeah. much Jesus hates apathy. You say I mean, you hate it, Joe, but he hates it even more. Oh. And so, again, if you're surrounded by people who are apathetic, you're going to be apathetic too. And like you said, that's what infiltrates the church. Yeah. And I, something I've never understood is, you know, in the church setting, like I said, I mean, I've, you know, growing up, kind of church shop around just, just by nature of growing up in a split household, you know, you don't always have that consistency with church. But. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I strongly desire, I mean, I, I prayed for years that I'd find a great church. And I think part of it, you know, I was a little bit young when I was 18, 19, 20. I didn't feel that confident enough to just go out and join a church or just for whatever reason it was, I didn't do it. But when I finally found my church, I quickly became one of the more involved individuals there. And it's because I've been waiting so long to find a community of people who actually cared about God as much as I did. And something I didn't necessarily understand. And I, I, you know, I want to preface this by saying that I love my church. There's a lot of great Mm -hmm. people. Uh, It's a great church. But something I didn't quite understand was um, just over time a little bit was people would, you know, say, oh, you know, there's something, you know, something about him. Like he just loves God so much and blah, blah, blah. And yes, I do. But it's not it's not of my own doing. Nothing like Mm -hmm. that. I just didn't understand necessarily um, why more people don't have that same love and and fire for God. Hmm. It's just, I think in general, it's kind of lacking. And I think that, again, I mean, that comes down to, are you truly sold out for for Jesus? You know, and even, even on like a day-to-day basis with people that I, I'm very close with and, and love, you know, whether it's friends or some, some members of my family or whatever the case is, it's just that apathy that I just, (laughs) I don't know, man. It, it's, it makes you ask some questions like why, you know, are you really about this? Because if you were, um, you'd love to talk about the word. You'd love to talk about these things. You know, it's, it's life. It speaks mm-hmm. life into you. I mean, I could literally sit down and we've done it before off the podcast, bro. Like mm-hmm. for a couple hours, just chop it up and, and <laughs> break down some of these things. Right. Yep. It's, it's because that you have that genuine love and interest for the nature of God and for God. Hmm. Um, and I just think it's kind of sad that it's, it's hard to find that, but you know, that's why we need people that are, are, and I say this very humbly, but that have our love for God to speak up and use our gifts and to inspire others to pursue him because it truly is life giving. And that's the second thing I want to mention here. And we are kind of running long, so I'll make it short before we go to 23. But, um, the irony, again, I talk about, I talked about the irony earlier, right. And the worldly view, um, of certain things, but in this example about loving yourself, you must love yourself before you love others. The irony is that the world places the emphasis on the wrong end goal, hmm. right? They, they say that you have to love yourself first, which is not necessarily untrue, but really it should be, you, you need to love God first before you love somebody else. Mm-hmm. Because if you love God first, you will automatically, you automatically love yourself. And again, the irony is that you will not, you know, just like, well, like I said earlier about being exalted, you won't desire being exalted in itself. And if you, if you do, that's a problem because you're not, you have your eyes on the wrong thing. But if you love God and have your eyes on that, you will automatically love yourself. Uh, and the irony is that the world will tell you you should focus on loving yourself, which is like chasing an endless thing you'll never attain. It's like chasing mm-hmm. happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, how can you love yourself if you're not loving God? You can't because your, your focus is going to be on the wrong things and your spirit is not going to to bear witness of these fruits of the spirit, which I have pulled up are love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. Like you said, if you don't have a map, you might get lucky once in a while and experience a little bit of love or maybe a little bit of joy, a little bit of peace, but it's not sustaining and you won't love yourself ultimately. So the irony to underline my whole point is that the world will tell you something that's not completely untrue and that you'll see every once in a while break through little things and experience some joy, but there's no lasting joy. There's no lasting peace in what the world will tell you. Hmm. Um, and you must love God before you love others. 
Very, very well so, said. Yeah. I, no, I appreciate it. Yeah. I, and I mean, just, just to add also, you, you kind of touched on it earlier. I am so beyond grateful and I will be for the rest of my life to have somebody like you, Joe, and, and credit to my family as well. I know, I know they listen to it as well, especially my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, um, yeah. for, for being there to, to surround me. It's, it's something that I will be grateful for as long as I remain on this earth to do God's work. Um, and I, I also, yeah. I mean, yeah, likewise, I want to express the same thing. I mean, forever grateful <laughs> for this friendship. And I think over time we'll see, um, every day that as we pursue God, you know, we'll grow closer and stronger. But I think mm-hmm. the exciting part is that I think over time, God will lead, will lead others into our lives that are as passionate about him. And uh, I think that's how real change is really made. Mm-hmm. And I think we can do something really special over time with that. And that's the challenge to our listeners is that, you know, I want everybody listening to this to take on that cross every day and to genuinely surround yourself and craft your life around your relationship with God. Hmm. If you're not doing that, you're not going to be fulfilled. Period. I don't understand it. People, <laughs> you know, there, there's people that I know in my life that claim to love God, but the, but their lives have absolutely nothing to do with Him, and you're not fulfilled. And and it's like, wake up. You know, I, there's a time for for grace, and there's a time for, you know, whatever. But there's also a time to just say straight up, you need to wake up, dude. Yep. You need to wake up, and do the right thing. And the right thing is to literally live for God. It's, it's not, it's easier said than done. You know, you take baby steps. Maybe that means starting to go to church once a month or twice a month, or maybe going to a Bible study or maybe picking up your Bible in the morning and, and praying and reading. Cause if you do those things, your heart will, your heart will naturally desire to follow God and to do the, and to do what's necessary to build that relationship. I had somebody once tell me, um, you know, I was asking about church and this individual was like, well, yeah, I just don't, I don't see the need for church right now in my life. I'm kind of doing good. And I'm like, you just have the, first of all, you have the wrong perspective about church. It's not about what church can give you. It's not about, um, do I need church? It's about your heart should desire to serve in church because you love God so much. Hmm. You should desire to be around his people to pray with them and to collaborate and serve him. If your heart was in the right spot, you know, it's not even about what it can give you. That's just the wrong mindset. Hmm. And I don't know, it fires me up, bro. Cause it's <laughs> like, do you really care? Right. You know, do you really care? People, I mean, they need to wake up. <laughs> well, I say that humbly, but they need to right. wake up. I think I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to speed through it, so read through it so people don't understand, but I'm going to go through 19 through 31 again. And then what I want to do is I want to close this episode with 23 as a prayer. I'm going to switch up some of the, the way it's worded. Um, but I want to, The reason I want to read 19 through 31 again is, and I would encourage everybody to to listen to it on their own or read it as well on their own afterwards, but I just want to kind of hit it home for the people who are feeling that apathy or like, you know, why should I care? Why should I glorify God? Why should I devote time to this? I think this is your answer. It's spoken better than either one of us can, but I think this is an answer if you're listening to this podcast and you have felt a bit of apathy. Pick it up. Psalms 22, verses 19 through 31. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. 
You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all of the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Hmm. Yeah, before you pray and close out, I want to add one more thing. I mean... I think an important part of all this, bringing this all together, is that as Christians, I think that, uh, you know, in order for you to mature in your faith, I think there comes a point in your life where you have to just stop caring what other people think. Hmm. And, you know, this is definitely a minimal thing. Like, Peter and I are not, you know, famous people. Like, we're not massive platform, nothing like that. But to be quite honest having this podcast even is putting ourselves out there to a certain extent. And, mm-hmm. you know, it takes a level of not caring. And it's genuinely, I just, I'm to that point, bro. Like <laughs> I've reached that point in my life. I just don't care. If you, if you have a problem with me talking about my faith, I don't care because mm-hmm. it's the truth. Yep. And as you said, life giving truth. Yes. It's life giving. All the, all of the earth will feast and worship. All will go down to the dust. will kneel before him. Hmm. Every knee will bow and tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I don't care what anybody thinks. Hmm. If you want to get mad at me for talking about my faith, because I've heard it before, you yep. know, whether it's certain friends of, of people I know or maybe, you know, whoever it is. I think part of the maturing process as Christians is stopping caring because what ultimately matters in this life? You know, the only thing that matters is your eternal security and serving God and leading others to him. You know, the scripture says that, that you know, Angels, many angels rejoice for one person who's saved, hmm. right? Yep. And I don't know exactly where that's at, but it's like the heavens rejoice when one person one. turns, a single person. Like the shepherd and with the one sheep. Yes. The lost sheep that returns. Yeah. When you're reading that, I pulled up Acts because it reminded me, some, uh, you know, just of boldness and, hmm. you know, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, without hindrance. Hmm. And you have to stop caring because that's a massive issue is people just don't want to speak up. They don't want to own it because of the misconceptions about Christians. Like, oh, they're so judgmental. Oh, this and that. But the thing is, I don't really care because in the word, if you read the word, if you take the time to read the word, Hmm. you quickly understand that those misconceptions are are lies and it it does not represent the truth. It, It does not represent true Christians. And if you want to go ahead and group me in with that, go ahead. Because I know for a fact, that's not who I am. Hmm. And speaking this is the most important thing in our life. So I just want to, you know, maybe this is for our listeners too. It's like pray about boldness, pray about not caring because that's to be frank and to be blunt. That is the attitude you need to have. Now, you, there, like I said, there's a time for grace and, and to approach things delicate, delicately sometimes. Delicately. Am I saying that correctly? Delicately. Yeah. 
delicately. Yeah. There's a time for that, but the attitude that you need, <laughs> you need to pray about is that boldness because even the small things, Peter, like, like I said, post this podcast up on social media, right? Mm-hmm. We are basically saying to the world where we stand and it's not popular. Mm-hmm. And I don't want any sort of sympathy or nothing like that. I, I, I don't want any of that. This is just who I am. This is my faith. But what I'm saying in short is that we all need to take on that attitude of boldness. Right. And that counteracts that, that runs completely counter to apathy because if you, if you meet an apathetic Christian, they're going to be somebody who basically doesn't act like a Christian around others. They never talk about their faith. They never, uh, they never try to, to witness. It's, it's just, you know, I don't know. It's apathy. Well, it, I, I would say it's a 180 of apathy because it's like yeah. you said, not caring about, you know, what backlash comes to you. You care so yeah. much on fire for God that you don't care what comes to you. And right. I'll let you finish up your thought. And then if you could read Acts, that Acts passage again, I just have one quick, very quick thought on that before I finish with Psalms 23. Yep. Uh, it's Acts 28, um, verses 28. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. And in 31, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, without hindrance. And, and yeah, I, you know, before you say what you want to say, one mm-hmm. thing, one last thing here is that I think the antidote to apathy is boldness. That is mm-hmm. the antidote. It's owning it. It's boldness. It's not caring. And that's my message to, to anybody hearing this and anybody who is a Christian is that you have to stop caring. Hmm. You have to stop caring because once you understand the true meaning of, of life and why we're here, nothing else matters. Truly. So that's my last closing statement on this. Definitely. And then just real quick on that one. Again, I read it one more time. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So I think on the hindrance point, you know, you talked about the boldness, but hindrances, yeah, one of those hindrances can be just that lack of boldness. But I think other things is it's just, you know, being even if you're not like afraid to do it, just genuinely being caught up in life and the distractions that we use as excuses so often um, I, I just wanted to kind of add that that hindrance isn't just that lack of boldness. It can be, you know, just coming up with excuses about why you're too busy to do it or like, again, like what you said about, you know, it being unpopular. But, yeah, it's proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance is, I would say, a, a, one of one of the verses that I'll be adding to my collection of life verses and um, you were, you were starting to go along this and you didn't quite say it word for word, but you were basically saying this kind of our motto in, in what we do, I would say with true North is to glorify God in the most magnificent way possible. Those first mm. three words to glorify God are really the crux of it. And then the most magnificent way possible is going about it with our very best effort. Not so that we're lifted up to, oh, this guy is the the best at at ministering to others or the best podcast host or the best YouTuber or whatever whatever category we want to fill in there for ourselves. It's glorifying God in a way that magnifies him so brightly and so much that, you know, thousands are saved. I mean, that's... Another thing today um, that my pastor talked about, one of the really the first sermon outside of Jesus was by Peter, and it saved three thousand people because Peter was bold about his faith. And obviously, it's easy for me to apply because it's the same name, but that's something that I desire to have more of. 
is yeah. to to make a difference for others and to declare Jesus for the glory of God the Father. Yeah, I mean, and this, you know, it reminds me of an example. I, I think I've told you about this example maybe in the past, but uh, this summertime around that, maybe fall time, I was at my workplace and basically witnessing to a, a person that really needed to hear the word. You could tell he was seeking the truth. He, he really wanted God in his life. Uh, but he just didn't really know where to start. And mm-hmm. it's like every question he asked me, I could tell the answer was just penetrating the soul, bro. Like I was really getting to him. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing was another person who claimed to be a Christian kind of was like, uh, you know, calling me out about talking about God with him. And I was like, I don't know. I responded, you know, pretty, pretty succinctly. I didn't waste too much time on it, but, I, you know, it made me think like, are you really going to try to like shame somebody Hmm. same another Christian for speaking the word to somebody who needs to hear it. Like, go ahead and have that hmm. attitude, but imagine coming before God one day and, and that's, hmm. you know, that's, you have to testify for that. Like what? Yep. What's the point? It, it just, it does not add up. And and that's, I don't know. It fires me up, bro. Yep. It really fires me up. So this, I mean, absolutely. I think this episode was needed. Yep. 100 percent for both of us but I, I think absolutely for our listeners too this episode mm-hmm. is is one of the most powerful ones I think we've ever done maybe the most powerful it is definitely up there and I think this this final thing again I want I want to pray it because I don't know I think I think it's just a little bit more powerful that way prayer is always powerful it's it's a very well-known psalm Psalm 23 and again I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of offer it up as a prayer and then Joe if you want to add any prayer as well and and then we'll wrap up the episode but Definitely. The Lord, you are my shepherd. I lack nothing. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside quiet waters. You refresh my soul. You guide me along the right paths for your name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, I just want to pray that our listeners to this episode, Lord, would just, I pray that these words that we spoke would would strike through to their soul, Lord, whether they're saved or not. Um, I just pray you that you would reassure us and allow us to focus on what's really important in life. And if we have, you know, if, if somebody's a Christian listening to this guy that's maybe not as bold or maybe a little bit of apathy has sunken in wittingly or not. Um, I pray that this would wake them up Lord and that you would uh, allow them to, to focus on you and just remind them constantly what's the most important thing in in this life, which is to lead others to you. Um, so that one soul might be saved through our words. Um, again, I'm just, you know, so grateful for this podcast. I pray that anybody listening to this episode, Lord would just take these words and act upon them. It's easier to to read them and think about them, but it's harder to put them in action. I just pray you'd equip us all with that boldness. I uh, also pray that, that True North Talk, Lord, would just be a, a beacon of light to others who need to hear the truth, and that it would speak life into others' lives every single episode. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank everybody for listening to episode 35 of True North Talk. Like I said, 
I don't think True North Talk is going anywhere anytime soon, as I said in the rhyme. Um, but if you made it this far in the episode, we truly appreciate you listening. Definitely share this episode. I mean, if there's an episode to share, it's going to be this one. Yep. So share this episode. Send it to somebody that needs to hear it. Put others on the True North Talk. I mean, it's early stages. We're still building this thing. I'm excited to see where it goes. But with all that being said, if you made it this far, leave a like, rate the podcast on Apple and Spotify, and we'll see everybody in episode 36. Peace out. God bless.